I am excited about today's program because this is a someone I've been wanting to meet for a long time, even though we live in the same state, never had a chance to meet him, although I've been a big fan of his for a long time. I'm taking everyone to a trip to my home state of South Dakota as I'm joined by Dan O'Brien, the owner of the Cheyenne River Ranch, located just west of the Badlands National Park, north of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Now, Dan's out in the middle of what we'd call nowhere. He has been a wildlife biologist and rancher for more than 30 years and is one of the most powerful literary voices on the Great Plains. In 1997, he founded Wild Idea Buffalo in an effort to preserve the Great Plains ecosystem by returning buffalo back to the native homeland, and he is now positively impacting over 150,000 acres of land. Wow, we're talking about, that's a lot. I have like, you know, 40 acres and a mule. No, just 40 acres. I don't have a mule, got horses, but that's a lot of land. So he joins me to discuss his business, the importance of Great Plains, and why you should be eating bison, or what many of us call buffalo. Hey, Dan, good to have you. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, so the first question I have to ask you, Dan, are, would you consider yourself a writer or a rancher? Because I, I got to know you through your books first and then fell in love with what you were doing. And now you're doing this ranching. I'd say full-time, but you, it's always full-time, even if you're doing it part-time when you're ranching. Yeah, I, that's a hard question. I both ranch and write. And then, of course, we also run this Internet business. So we're pretty busy around here, uh, exactly the order I would rank those in, uh, I'm not sure. Now, I don't want to call you an old-timer because I don't I don't want to offend you in any way, shape, or time, but did you ever think <laughs> you're, I don't know, how old are you, Dan? Can I ask that question? I'm 69. Yeah, I knew I knew you were a few years old, a little bit little bit older than me. So, I, well, that's not old-timer. Old-timers now in our 80s and 90s, I think, is what I would consider old-timer. So. Yeah, it's getting older. Yeah, I apologize for that. But, hey, so did you ever think at 69 you'd be running an internet business? I had no idea of it. I, uh... No, the answer is no. In fact, I my life has just been sort of haphazard, and this is where I ended up. But I I think I ended up here because uh, it's pretty good life, and we stay real busy, so that keeps you young. Yeah, it, and it is a good life, isn't it? You're living what north of north of Pine Ridge? Yeah, we're in fact. I'm looking out my window right now, and I can see Pine Ridge right on the other side of our pasture. So that's just the most. For those who are listening in, if you don't know, I grew up in West River, as Dan knows, and where he's living right now to me is some of the most beautiful country in the world. Although some people would say it's in the middle of the Badlands National Park, right? Or just west of you're just west of it, aren't you? We are. We run right up against the uh, park on our east side, their west side. We're in a land out here that's there's quite a bit of public land out here, and then of course the reservation. So uh, the makeup of the land's a little different than most places. Well, let's talk about the business for a second, and then I want to get back more about the land and the use of the land, and and then how did you get so lucky to get up against the grasslands area? Because that's that's like being on it next to a river or something along those lines where you get river property or something, which I've been lucky enough to do. But how did you come up with the idea of wild idea buffalo? Well, actually, you know, my background is uh, as a biologist, if you can believe that. I worked for South Dakota Game and Fish, Mm -hmm. and then I worked for uh, 
been fun to out of Cornell for a while and always working with birds of prey and habitat and those kinds of things. And when the peregrine falcon came off the endangered species list, I was uh, kind of at a loss on what to do with my life. And, you know, I love this great plains area, this grasslands area, and you don't have to think much about grasslands until you come to the idea of buffalo. And I'm a real believer in uh, the fact that we have to do something about the loss of species diversity and, and grasslands, etc. And so I thought, well, I'll try this on a very small scale because this is a sort of hand-in-mouth, has been a hand-in-mouth deal for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, we started working with these buffalo and to see how they would massage the land um, as everything out here evolved to be massaged and find out that, you know, it works pretty good. It's good for the birds. It's good for uh, the people. Um, and, you know, when we, you know, interjected the idea of an Internet business on top of it, it kind of works. Yeah. And and that's is that the main portion of the business is selling the slaughtered meat? Um, is that way? Is that the way you determine it? Is it what, how would you call it? What would you just call buffalo, but bar bison? But what would you call the business? Is it selling the meat itself? Yeah, it's a buffalo meat business. But you know, the, our our model is a little different. It's you know capitalism, of course, but it's tempered in that any profit we make goes back into restoration of grasslands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we pay ourselves a little bit, but that's about all we do as far as, you know, accumulation. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it appears in the form of land. And so, yeah, it's a buffalo meat business, but we like to think of the meat as a byproduct of species diversity and of conservation. So how many buffalo do you run right now? We have about 400 buffalo right now on our ranch, but we harvest buffalo for people in South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, and Wyoming. And so we are harvesting, uh, we harvested 904, I just looked this up, 941,000 pound buffalo last year in 16. And so those buffalo are coming off of Indian reservations, our ranch, private people's ranches. We're even doing uh, some for conservation groups, etc. Yeah, and is is that with that mobile? Now, see, I read your last book, and so that you you devised that, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. The mobile slaughtering plant, where you actually, I mean, because you've got a migratory, you know, herd, but although it's in, contained inside the the grasslands themselves or in some area where you're ranching, but to me, it just seems like a lot more humane way of doing it than bringing them in, you know, shoving them in a truck, stressing the hell out of them, taking them to a slaughtering plant, and then boom, putting a shot in them, and then slaughtering them. You know. Well, you know, you hit it right on on the head. I mean, anybody that that eats meat in this country or any other country for that matter uh, should go to a slaughter plant and see if that's the way you want your animals <laughs> to be treated. <laughs> and you only have to do that once yeah. and you realize that, hey, as humans, we can do a better job than this. Yeah. And if you see buffalo, who, which are basically still wild animals, if you see them go through, you would never allow that to happen. And I only had to look at it once. And I thought, there's got to be a better way, or I don't want anything to do with this business. Yeah. And so over the years, we developed this mobile, it's basically a semi-trailer, and uh, 
we pull right out into the pasture where they're at ease, comfortable, and we harvest them right there, skin them, and we bring them into a plant for further processing. But it's a model that's more expensive, but most of our customers don't mind paying a little bit more to do it right. You know, I'm a, I'm a hunter. I harvest uh, my own hunts, and I think I do it right out there. I've actually shot buffalo before. I went up and did it up um, on the Hawk, on the uh, Triple U. Is it Triple U Ranch, I think it is? Yeah, Triple U. Yeah. That now belongs to Ted Turner. Oh, has Ted bought that thing? Well, Ted's bought everything now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> he bought about everything in the buffalo business. That was Casey yeah. Tibbs' grandson's place. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Those were the nice people, super nice people. I did that. Yeah. I, I did that about, I'd say, 20 years ago was the first time I harvested buffalo. And then I we did the slaughtering ourselves right there. And then, sure. yeah, we, you know, we, uh, and then took them into it. They had, uh, those guys had a, a, you know, their own kind of plant where we could pull the animal in and we did our own harvesting right there on the spot. Of course, we had to have an ag guy come out and check us out and make sure we were okay. But, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, because some of, some of the pieces we actually gave, we gave away to the reservation. Some pieces got sold off. And then I took about half of it because uh, a buffalo pretty damn big animal <laughs> when you think about it how many uh how how many acres does it take to sustain one buffalo versus a, a cow a cattle you know the the science of that has not, never really been figured out mm-hmm. uh but what is generally done is we just figure the same as a cow yeah. and so but in our and it varies different you know we, that's a pretty big area that we work in and some of the areas that are a little more fertile they can get along on maybe 15 acres per buffalo. Mm. In our on our particular ranch, we try to figure about 25 acres per buffalo. But you know that is just a that's just a guideline. Every yeah. year is different. If it rains, you could run you could run about five acres. If it doesn't rain, you you'll never have enough. Yeah, acres. it's all about so grass. All about grass. It's all about grass. Yeah, yeah, and I love the grass fed. That's the other thing. I mean, it's a different thing as well. Just it's a better meat. Well, we're going to talk about that. Let me let me take a break, Dan. Come right back, because I'm a believer uh, of this, and I'm not just in terms of the way you do it, how you do it, the way of life that you're living, which I to me is just awesome. I might have to be the guy that buys this after when you're when you're all done, when you're ready to retire, because I just think this would be the coolest <laughs> thing right. and the coolest freaking thing in the world and uh well let me take a break real quick and come right back so hey our friends at duncan are always introducing new beverages to keep us running and earlier this year they released a new espresso beverage uh choice the the duncan americano and i like americanos it's now a permanent addition uh, to its variety of premium i used to drink this overseas then i started seeing them around the, the states and so i really like that so especially crafted coffees espressos joining the lineup that includes they got lattes uh, macchiatos i think that's how you say that i See, I don't say all those fancy, uh, smancy stuff. I just like black stuff. I, I don't like all that uh, crap in it. But anyway, but I, uh, I know I'm going to get a letter from Duncan right there. Available now at your participating Duncan restaurants nationwide. The Americano. Get it. Served hot and combines two shots of Dunkin' Donuts 100% Rainforest Alliance Certified Espresso with hot water. This is awesome. It's a great, great, bold beverage. Dan, you drink coffee? You you got to drink coffee. Oh, every day, every day. Yeah, you, there's no Dunkins. There's no Dunkins out there in the Badlands, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's coffee everywhere. I, you know, I knew that. Uh, you, you see guys with two blue healers in the back and a and a gun in the in the back window, and they're uh-huh. stopping at an espresso joint. I love it. See, Blue Healers, there we go. That's some cattle. That's a cattle dog right there. Meanest dog ever known. People talk about pit bulls. I'm talking about Blue Healer, man. <laughs> they grab a hold of a bull and won't let go. 
Hey, let me yeah. uh, buffalo meat. It's it's so much better for you. What is it like? Seventy percent of the calories and only thirty percent of the fat, something like that. Uh, that's pretty close. Yeah. There are uh, all kinds of benefits to eating buffalo meat. It's uh, all kinds of hormones in there in the but beef, you know, which it really hurts you. And this yeah. stuff doesn't have any. This is what we evolved to eat. Yeah, you, you well, you're not going. You're not rushing out there and uh, jacking them up with a with a shot three weeks before you take them to slaughter. Right, I mean, like, you know, we, like they I've do been, cattle. Been, cattle, they do that. People don't know this, you know. Oh yeah, it's all it's all about hormones yeah. and getting them to grow fast yeah. and getting them to, uh, you know, they, cattle in a feedlot basically are living in a petri dish, and uh, the only way to keep them healthy is to fill them full of medicine. Yeah, and of course that medicine goes right into the meat, goes right into your body. It's not a good situation. Well, that's just like when we talk about stressing on an animal. You don't want to run an animal or stress it out before you harvest it because it gets all that adrenaline in the meat. It gets all that stuff goes into that meat, and that affects the taste. It affects the texture, everything. Yeah, there's. we've actually done some tests. Of the stress hormone cortisol, which is a, is a big issue in feedlot animals, we took some buffalo uh, out of a feedlot. You know, we took some buffalo that we had harvested. The cortisol levels in the feedlot buffalo were really high. I mean, yeah. off the chart. And the cortisol levels in our, the buffalo that we harvested was non-existent. Mm. There was no measurable cortisol there. And, uh, we don't, this is not a hunt. This is not, this is just a very easy, uh, slow, Har- harvesting, yeah, you're just harvesting. I mean, yeah. you're pulling up the semi near where the herd is at, and then you, I, 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 I'm going to assume someone goes out with a rifle and and dispatches the buffalo, right? Yeah, we just move through the herd with a kind of a specially designed pickup truck, yeah. and uh, the shots are thirty yards, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, we have one shot. We're inspectors with us the whole time to make sure that everything is is uh, kosher, uh, not really kosher, but. Yeah, humane. Yeah, humane. I get humane. It. Yeah. And uh, and it, and it works real well. We got real good guys doing this. Although stuff. it's hard to be, you know, I, I I don't want to laugh, and I don't want people writing me letters. I don't need crap. I don't want tweets about being humane to a buffalo, a bison. I mean, they're the size of a freaking pickup truck. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's not much you can do to hurt one. Uh, I mean, I, it's just really tough to do that. They're just very, very hardy animals, right? They're hardy. I mean, you know, they evolved. This is a tough country out here. Yeah. Jeff, you know that. Yeah. This is, you know, we get 30 below and and in the wintertime and 110 in the summertime. And buffalo uh, not only survive that, they thrive in it. They, yeah. you know, they evolved to handle this kind of stuff. And they are tough. You know, we'll see them out there, uh, wind blowing, 20 below. And they act like nothing's going on. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing. And beautiful animals. Beautiful animals to watch from afar. Don't get new, too close to a wild bison by any means. Amen. Yeah, Amen. they're just, they're unpredictable and they can just do, they're just cantankerous. They can do whatever they want to do because they can. There we go. So talk to me the difference between, because one of the things that you got me thinking in your books, because I did, someone passed it on, a friend of mine, a woman who was reading your books, and she said, Jeff, you're going to love this. You're going to love this guy. Read this book. And I read it and then I went out and got every one you ever had. And then I waited for each one that came out of thereafter and your your last one uh which was what wild idea buffalo and a family in a difficult land i think it's your last one right 
Yeah, it's the last one that's been published. I've yeah. got two more in the mail, but oh, that's good the last you. one that's out. Well, I'm, well, I'll put me on the list. The, and, All right. <laughs> you know, but, you know, in that in that book, and, and actually the one before that, when you were living out near Bear, Bear Butte, you, t- you talked about the way cattle just decimate the land, an invasive species, and they are because they were brought here. So, and when you look at where cattle have been grazing as opposed to buffalo, holy crap. It looks like an atomic bomb went off, or prairie dogs have been invaded your pasture. One of the two. Yeah, it, there's a big difference, and, and don't uh, don't I don't want to be misunderstood here. It's possible to overgraze with buffalo sure, too. Sure, sure. But the thing about buffalo is they are, they are programmed to move constantly, and cattle will sit there until the feed truck shows up. Yeah. So so what you what you're doing is you're hammering. One piece of ground, uh, they graze differently. In the wintertime, uh, cattle need protection, and they'll go down in the riparian zones along the rivers where there's some trees and uh, for protection, and they'll hammer that ground because they'll just stay there. And they do the same thing in the summertime when it's too hot. they got to find some shade or some water. I've never seen a buffalo just standing in water to cool off. Uh, buff- or cattle will do that constantly. And, of course, they follow the area that, that they have to stay in. So it's a it's a whole different deal. They look a little alike, but, but they treat the land completely differently. Yeah. What's been the best thing for you about creating Wild Idea Buffalo? I guess what I have to look to uh, to answer that question is the response of the people. I am surprised uh, uh, and, and happily surprised at how people take to this. These people seem to understand that this is a better way to eat, a better way to uh, treat the land. Um, and as a result, we've got some really great customers. Uh, we've had some really good support from other business people um, and had a lot of help along the way because, like I say, this was, was started off as just a little family deal and uh, it's gotten to be a pretty big business. But because of the support we've had, and that has been really, really hopeful. And, and as I think we can all agree, it's hard to be hopeful on the environment uh, in uh, 2017. But here's a little window of hope, and that is what gets me up every morning. Yeah. Let me take a quick break. I want to come back about you know where you might be taking this and what, what will give you better or bigger scale, and can you even handle it? So let me talk about Liberty Tax, because uh, we're coming up to tax season with this episode. Uh, are you one of those people who overpays the government when you pay your taxes or do your taxes? Don't keep giving your money away. Don't forget to enroll in a tax course at Liberty Tax Service. If you've ever been in a city, because Dan doesn't get to the city too often, he gets to wrap it maybe once in a while, they'll te- you'll see these guys waving on the street corners, and they'll teach you everything you need to know about preparing taxes. That's their way to get you in so you don't have to pay a penny more than you owe. The course is free. You might have to pay for some books and supplies, but you'll get a skill that will pay dividends, and you can learn more at libertytax.com. So how do you make this thing bigger, or do you want to make it bigger? Well, you know, that's a good question, and I've been studying this. Uh, you know, I'm not a business person uh, like you and probably the people who are listening to this, but I have studied a little bit on it, and it seems to me that this whole idea of scaling up and making it bigger and bigger, that is only necessary if you have stockholders. They're the only people that are really interested in that. We're growing constantly, but I'm actually trying to hold the lid on the growth. 
because I'm in there every day in the office every day, me and my wife or my kids, and uh, we'd like to keep it that way. We don't want to have to, uh, you know, hire uh, MBAs to run this outfit. So although we're growing and we will continue to grow, that is not our goal. Our goal is to do a good job with what we got. Exactly. So, didn't you take in some investors this last year? It seemed to me when I read read the book, there were some some East Coast people that came as investors. We have actually had several people Mm -hmm. help us along the line. We had an East Coast uh, investor, a really good guy from Boston, uh, came in, loved the whole idea, uh, wanted to invest a little money. Uh, We certainly took his money. He ended up buying a ranch out here really close to us, mm-hmm. still work very closely with him. And in the interim, we've actually had some investment uh, from Patagonia. Oh, really? Yeah, just because, you know, our world views align. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they found us online. We make the, all their jerky for them now. And uh, they've helped us quite a bit. And from a, from a morale point of view, if nothing else. Uh, it's just good to be associated with people like that. You know, and that's, again, it gets back to what I think is doing the right thing. Better way to eat, better way to live. And I think more and more people are, are kind of getting back to that basis of like, why do we have to ingest everything with all this junk? And when did food not be real food? You know, that's kind of what this is all tied to. You're, you hit it right on the head. I mean, this is this is, uh, you know, one piece. This is not just about buffalo or just about habitat. This is about lifestyle. This is about worldview. And uh, our customers have a worldview that, that is new and different. It's, you know, probably comes out of the 60s. But this is a, a hardcore understanding of how things could work. You know, it's interesting, though, but you're in the, you're in what I would call some of the most conservative territory in the country, right? Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Here you are, kind of a freewheeling, you're talking about a 70s kind of an agenda, quite frankly. You know, uh, or, sure. what was that guy that used to, or Yul Brenner? Well, no, it wasn't Yul Brenner. What was that guy that used to do all those commercials back in the 70s about granola and all that stuff? Uh, I can't remember that guy. Oh, I know who you mean, Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. but a little bit of that, but yet you know you get you're in it. You're in a fairly redneck kind of country, and I grew up there, so I understand what that's like. And how does that sit with your neighbors, by the way, who who are cattlemen? Well, here's the way it really shakes down, and I don't have anything against uh, I don't have anything against cattle grazing. Uh, you know, like there are some great people out here grazing cattle. I do have problems with feedlots. Yeah. I think that's uh, I'm uh, with th- you. that's that's something we don't really want. Yeah. But most of the people out here are, you know, they are conservative. Uh, they are, seem to be threatened by new ideas. Um, and I've kind of given up on some of these old guys around here. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to eat any granola anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> but what I'm finding out is their kids are listening. Yeah. Their kids come around and they want to talk to me. Yeah. And that's where I'm putting my energies as far as education is concerned. Do you find it tough to have those conversations? Oh, yeah, sometimes it's really tough. Uh, and I just avoid it at that time. And I, I know that you went to Augustana College. Yep. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there and do a, a uh, speech next month. And those are, that's where I, I save my energy for that. Yeah. I don't sit at the coffee shop and try to convince old cowboys to become buffalo ranchers. Yeah. 
that's a waste of time. Yeah, you drive, you, you're sitting in scenic, and they're not paying much attention to you. Yeah. <laughs> no. they, they, they see you coming, they move down the chair probably. But they but they right, still but, they still wave at you, and they'd still be neighborly, but, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you, there's that crazy bastard that's running Buffalo. Uh, that's what they're being yeah, at, right? Yeah. A little if bit. Inner jam, they'll be there, and yeah. I'll be there, and yeah. you know, it's all that. We agree to disagree on some things, you know. The other part of the culture out here, and it's huge, is the native culture. Yeah. And we get along pretty well with those guys. Is the Aguala, or that's the tribe for everyone that's listening there in Pine Ridge, are they are they reaching out to you? Are you doing some work with those guys? Oh, yeah. We've been working with, uh, with Oglalas uh, on Pine Ridge for. 10 or 15 years, uh, it's tough. You yeah, know, if yeah. working on a reservation, it's tough. Yep. But, um, you know, about half our employees are Native guys. That's awesome. And uh, and so it's, there's a little bit of a cultural, religious, if you will, uh, element to what we're doing here. It would be great to see uh, Sintagleska, uh, the college over in uh, on Rosebud, maybe do something about some education on those, what you're doing, too. They were our first partners. I'd be damned. we have harvested We've harvested buffalo off their ranch uh, for uh, at least 15 years. Oh, see, I didn't even know that, and I was putting in a plug for yeah. it. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So, look, I get to go to the website, and I can order anything I like. What, what's your best-selling What's your best-selling item? Well, I think probably, geez, I'd have to look at I'd have to talk to one of the people that does that. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's... Uh, I, I think we sell more ground probably than anything. Yeah, Buffalo uh, burgers but, are good. They're awesome. But, you know, the steaks are, yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. They're a little expensive. Everything's a little expensive because doing things right costs a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, my favorite is chuck roasts. I like a good roast. Do you like ribs, too? Oh, yeah. Jesus, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is really, and this is, you know, I'm not much of a salesman, but... This I can sell because this is a, this is really good stuff. Yeah, really it, good stuff. and once you have buffalo and people have never had it, folks, I encourage you to go to Wild Idea Buffalo and and take a look at. They got some you got some starter packages. Try something out, but a, start with a buffalo burger, just a burger, and first of all, it just tastes better. And uh, it's just better for you, as you as, as you mentioned. But then you could yeah. and the jerky, a good ribeye steak. I love the roast. I like roast, uh, man. And your wife is a is a chef cook, right? My wife is really the the energy and the brains behind the whole darn thing, and she comes at it from that angle. She is a chef cook. She's had several restaurants, and she does all the recipes, the testing, talking to people on the phone. Somebody. Yeah, you know, wants to do a roast. They don't know quite how to do it. She gets on the phone and walks them through it. It's a pretty good team we got working that. With. Yeah, I even like the marrow, buffalo marrow. Oh, that's particularly good. Yeah, oh, yeah. You read that the book on Hugh Glass with um, Lord Grizzly with Frederick Manfred? Of course, Frederick Manfred was my first writing teacher. Was he really? Oh, yeah, down at USD, yeah, <laughs> at the University of South Dakota. I say Jeff knows about this stuff. It's kind of, uh, South Dakota's a small place, yeah. but uh, Frederick Manfred was a, a old-time writer out in this country. And, oh, yeah. um, he wrote about the Siouxland area, he wrote about some of the greatest, in fact, I think he won a Pulitzer Prize for that. Then, of course, the book Revelant, or the movie Revelant, was a follow-up to that Um and it was about you know, I was a, that thing when you watched the movie it was so fake it was unbelievable. But the, the you know you, you read that book Lord Grizzly where this guy was uh, attacked by a, gri- a grizzly bear when he was out uh, hunting meat for a fur party and they left him for dead. 
and crawled hundreds of miles. This is a South Dakota thing, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota. And, and but anyway, there's a it, there's a scene in there, one of the opening scenes of that book that he writes. And Frederick Manfred was from Blue Earth, Minnesota, who of course taught at University of South Dakota, and also at Augustana was a writer and resident of Augustana. And I've read every one of his books. I, co- I collect every one of his books. I have every book of his signed first editions. And wow. yeah, I just have been collecting them since I was a, a teenager. And you know, when I first started reading them. But anyway, he he writes about this scene of Hugh Glass and these guys have shot a buffalo and they're sitting around eating it and they're breaking open the bones and pouring it on the meat like butter. And then the, he just, you know, you, you can see them doing this, this grease all over their face and this meat, you know, and they're just, ah, oh, man, what a, what a, I would love that again. Dan, you yeah. and I should do that. We should do that one day. Well, by the, the door is open, Jeff. <laughs> Anytime you're out here, uh, let's get together, do a little bird hunting or buffalo oh. hunting or whatever we. Well, speaking of that, I am a huge bird hunter. I was supposed to be going quail hunting this, this next week, and I can't can't make it because of other business commitments now, but I was going down to Georgia before they closed the season. Hey, are you doing any falconry at all anymore? Oh yeah, that's my, uh, that's my golf. I, uh, I do a lot of, a lot of falconry and bird hunting. I was just down in Texas, uh, with, uh, this is another South Dakota thing, but Jim Borgel, my grandson of Gutsum, yeah. I invite him down every, every winter to do a little quail hunting and he doesn't really invite me, he invites my dogs and I get to come along. Oh, well, for, for those who don't know, Gutsum Borgelum, uh, the carver and the head guy at, uh, the Mount Rushmore. Uh, and of course he did Stone Mountain down in, uh, in Georgia as well. Georgia. Yeah. The, uh, but what kind of falcons are you using? Well, right now, I have a prairie falcon. Do you really? And the reason I have a prairie falcon is because I caught it right off the place here. Yeah. And it just seems like it's the more natural way to go rather than getting some sort of an exotic uh, falcon. But yeah. yeah, I got an old prairie falcon and uh, hoping that we have a little bit, a little bit more season left here but we're about we're about done out here well the other day i was or this fall i was out hunting pheasants and this falcon had engorged himself so much he could not fly and (laughs) and i walked over to it i saw it out in the middle of the prairie hopping around and I walked over to it, could I, and I went over to it and walked right up to it and touched it on top of its head, because I could. I, I wanted to try that. And uh, we, he didn't like it, of course, you know. But I, I've done that with a bear once, too. I was out uh, canoeing up in Canada, and a bear was crossing the lake. And so I, I canoed up next to the bear and kept touching him on the head. And then I thought, oh, man, that bear might remember this, so I got the heck out of there. But... uh <laughs> Just because you can, but I, I thought that was kind of cool. And par- you speak of peregrines. i got to tell you a little bit of a story. When I was at, at the chief marketing officer of Eastman Kodak in Rochester, we hosted a pair of mating peregrines on our on our building. And, oh, yeah. And to this date, they're still there. And the female used to always come to my ledge. I was on the 17th floor, and her nest uh, box, nesting box was uh, a four and a half above me. And she used to come down to my ledge, and of course she hunted uh, pigeons like crazy. And she would bring carcasses of pigeons and set them on my ledge. And there are many pictures of me in my office in Rochester with her sitting in watching the meeting, you know, eating this, this, these pigeons. And she was like my friend. And people used to always comment, there she was. She was always there. And get this, my son lives in Sioux Falls, and he has a pair that they, when they hunt, they bring the, they bring it back to his tree behind his house, a peregrine falcons. Man, 
you must have a special connection there. Yeah, it's kind of there is something there. I think there's always something there yeah. when you see that. And I, I, I just like the eagles that came. In, I, I live in my place in, in near Brandon, and I got bald eagles there too. So which is kind of cool. But we're seeing we've already saw the peregrine falcons this weekend. Now this is we're we're taping this in February, guys. For those things to fly all the way back up this time of year, man, winter's over. No problem. No problem. Yeah. That's what they can do is fly. Yeah. Well, uh, Dan, one last thing. Anything you'd like to pass on to everybody about Wild Idea Buffalo? Just that, you know, we'd, we'd love to talk to you about it. If you're the kind of person that's interested in their health and the health of the land, uh, you're our kind of person. Give us a buzz. Let us know what you're thinking. Well, it couldn't be said better. So we're talking with Dan O'Brien, owner and founder of Wild Wild. Wild I can't again. I got to say it right because I want to get it right. Wild Idea Buffalo. So go and see him and and buy some of that. It's a better way to eat, a better way to live. Hey, thanks, Dan. Thank you, Jeff. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, on every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And right here, I talked about, oh, man, it's just healthy. Eat buffalo. First of all, it's good. I can tell you I would prefer to eat buffalo pretty much over anything there is because, one, it's just healthy for you. It's 70% of the calories, 30% of the fat. I mentioned that or close to it. And um, But it's just good. It's good. It doesn't taste too much different than beef. In fact, I dare most of you to even know what uh, good beef or good buffalo tastes like anyway uh, because the closer you get back to nature – Get back to the land, the better it is. And here are these bison buffalo. We're talking about grass. They're eating natural stuff, no hormones. And I'm telling you, this is what they do in the cattle business. And I'm not trying to knock cattle guys by all means, but a lot of times what they do is they'll inject it a couple weeks before they take it in with a hormone to make it fatten up. So it weighs a little bit more so they can take it in and get get a fair or better price for the cattle because they're, they're they get paid by weight. So anyway, uh, one of the things I learned, it, it costs a little bit more because it's being done right. And by being done right, it costs more. You, you can't you know, have a race to the bottom on prices when you're trying to get good stuff. You know, you, you, you don't buy a Cadillac. You don't buy a Mercedes. You don't buy, um, you know, expensive car thinking you're going to get it for a Volkswagen price, you know, a cheap price uh, for a Volkswagen bug I'm talking about because you know, there's some nice Volkswagens too. Anyway. Anyway, that's that's my things I learned today is a reminder of that. And, I, man, I, I don't know about you, but I just want to get back to being real. You know, I try to do that here on the show, and I want to do that with my food, too. Just real stuff, man, I, and just nothing better. Nothing better than a bison steak. Come on, invite me over. Buy some, invite me over. Okay. Hey, and invite your friends to listen into the show. I thank you so much. It's right here on C-Suite Radio. You know, we're now uh, broadcasting with uh, so many of other business podcasts on C-Suite Radio as well. And you can find us certainly, you know, at iTunes and anywhere else that you, uh, you listen in. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Welcome to C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.